This is Halsey Varcher. I mentioned this case before, but this is a little bit more detail and a little bit more information. Charles Hickson, who was abducted by a UFO in Petskogolia, P-A-S-C-A-G-O-U-L-A. One or two men who claim to have been abducted by UFO in Pascagolia in nineteen seventy three, Calvin Parker has finally explained that he remembers about the night forty five years ago in a new book Pascagolia the closest encounter My Story. Another man, Charles Hickson, told Corina Ledger economist but he worked his account in the event in great detail 16 years ago in his home on the Gulf Coast. Hickson died September 9th, 2011, age of 80. During the interview, he revealed something we had never talked about publicly. Here is Watkins' story from the 20th of October 20th, 2002. Gartier, Charles Hickson has no proof. No photograph he can pull from his wallet, no papers certifying his story, just his word, and that, that 29 years ago, this month, he and his fishing buddy were abducted by a UFO, examined by a machine resembling a giant eyeball, then released physically unharmed. He told his story under hypnosis, told it to Johnny Carson to the National TV, National TV. recently while slipping coffee in his modest home in Gartier, G-U-T-I-R-I-E-R. He told the story to Carrington, Carrington Ledger, reporter. His count of that night never changes. He never. He has passed numerous lie detector tests. What Hickson hasn't talked about publicly until now is that he believes whatever or whoever was on the craft has kept track of him. I think they know where I am all times, he says. Too many strange things have happened. Hickson, a retired shipyard foreman of five children and no nonsense demeanor at the time when this right, 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 the article was written, 71, and spends most of his time caring for Blanche, his wife of 48 years, who suffers from rheumatoid arthritis. He is fighting health problems of his own, including quad arteries in the neck. Hickson says he is a God-fearing man who believes Jesus Christ died for his life sins. Whatever people believe, his UFO story doesn't seem to him to be a great big deal. If you were in my, if you were in the right place now, I'm not sure I believe you or not. I said. He said, but others saw something that night too. Several people later straight reported strange lights in the Gulf, Gulf Coast sky, just after sunset on October 11, 1973. About the time Hickson and their nineteen-year-old, their nineteen-year-old Calvin Barker, say they were abducted. Mike Catadolo, C A T A L D O, retired naval chief petty officer, now living in Rotona, West Florida, F L A, says he saw a very strange object in the horizon late that afternoon while driving on the U.S. ninety between. 
Pascoglia and Ocean Springs. Pudding Brodius a Patagonian Pascoglia detective back then told me of he saw something streak through the air, says Glenn Ryder, a former captain with the Jackson County Sheriff's Department, who was the first in the trade great Hickson and Parker. Pudding's dead now. He was a great fine man. He couldn't make up something like that. A god at Ingalls, I-G-A-L-S, saw it. Another guy was in the backyard and said he saw something streak above his house. When we studied it, all the reports were in a straight line. I tell you this, after talking with Hicks and Parker that night, I could fits they had some kind of experience. I don't know exactly what, but something happened to them. They were both shocked, like, especially that bummy. Parker now 48 has avoided the media in the recent years. That's that's things really miss curving up, Hickson says. He's so young, he just couldn't handle it. In 1993, an interview a commercial appeal in the Memphis, Parker said he was convinced it was demons sent directly from Satan who visited him at night. Beverly Parker, Kelvin's stepmother, who lives with his father in Kiln, K-I-L-E, and says he hasn't heard from him in a couple of months. Last she knew, Kelvin was working construction in North Carolina, doing pretty good. You have heard incident is something he doesn't talk about anymore, she says. Looked like, and late on a Sunday night, and but. Hickson was gone to bed. House is quiet and dark except for a single lamp softly illuminating the den. I didn't mind I don't mind talking about it, Charles Hickson says, setting off. I don't I don't seek folks out to tell it, but I'm something I feel people deserve to know. Here is Hickson's story in his own words. Calvin and I, Calvin was working with me at Walker's shipyard and doing a damn damn good job. Calvin and his brother was gonna grow up with my old, had sort of grown up with my oldest boy, Eddie. Some evenings after work, we'd go fishing. We got up about five, four o'clock that day, came up to my house to get the fishing tackle. Then we went and got some shrimp for bait. We tried several places and hadn't caught anything. I said, Calvin, there's, there's one place I want you to try. If you want, don't want, but if we don't bite there, but give it up and go home. So we went down towards Ingalls and started fishing off up here. We sat there for a while and I finally got a bite. I was really in and started hearing this hissing sound, just like steam coming out of a pipe. I looked around and it startled me. Something was hovering two to three feet above the ground, probably not more than ten or fifteen yards from us. There were two flashing lights on the top part of the end that towards us. It, I couldn't tell you it was round or oblong. I couldn't see it was a little dome on top. I couldn't see all the way round the thing, so I can't tell you for sure how big it was. I jumped to my feet, looked over at Calvin, and he looked plumb straight, strange. Then a door opened, and this brilliant light came out of it. I couldn't figure out what the world was happening. I know in fear, I thought... 20 months in hand-to-hand combat career. This is the only thing I'm scared of. The only thing I'm scared of is a snake. I ran from a snake, but this wasn't normal. All of a sudden, these three things began 
coming out the door. They looked like they were—they had elephant skin, wrinkled, real wrinkled, the triangle-shaped ears that, that that had to be some sort of antennas. Antennas. These these things were robots. They seemed to come right out of the gleam of light. They never touched the ground. They moved right out there beside me and Calvin. I could not. I could not move. Neither could he. Two of them came out behind me, took me under each arm. They grabbed me. I seemed to rise to their height. It wasn't as tall as me, but it sort of had me at a leaning position. One took hold of Calvin. I saw him go limp. He told me later that that, that he fainted. I, that took us through the doorway in the middle of the room. I couldn't see Calvin anymore. There was nothing in there. Just a bright, bright, real bright glow. I couldn't move anything but my eyes. They got they let they all let go of me. I still wasn't touching nothing for so just kinda of floating. I just think it all I think it was all what are you gonna do could do with us. I figured that they'd take us off and we'd never see our families again. I didn't see the robots for a while. Then an eyeball about the size of football came out of the wall. It moved right in front of my face. I saw dolls and gadgets moving around. It went back around it went behind me and then came back over me. Then it disappeared back into the wall. I was just about out of my mind. I thought they were gonna kill me. Folks would would think we fell off the river and downed and that we would never know about this. It seemed like a long time. We couldn't have been more than a few minutes. The robots came came me back outside. They didn't throw me down, they just they eased me down. They and when they did I fell to the ground, my legs were we were weak. So Calvin standing there staring at the water. He was in shock. Uh, I mean, I've seen a man in shock. He don't do anything, doesn't do something pretty quick. he die. I started going over to where he was and saw the craft leave. The blue lights were on again. I remember that. When I got to Calvin, I had to slap him a time or two. I finally got him to where he would say something. He could say something. He said, Charlie, what in the world was that? I said, son, I don't know, but they did kill us. As they drove away into, into Parker's Plymouth, Hickson and Parker agreed not to tell anyone about the incident. I, know people, I knew people that would call us crazy and everything else, Hickson says, but I thought about it more and said, what if it is a threat to our country? They decided to call Kelsa Air Force in Bullerlocks. B L B I L O X I. The person who answered the phone was Kaiser. K E S S E S L E R. Said they didn't investigate UFOs and suggested and called the sheriff's department. Just when that's when Hitzer spoke with Glenn Ryder from a convenience store phone payphone. He said, "I want to tell you something, but you not got the promise not to laugh because Ryder now sixty-three retired." I'm about to go off, uh, so kind of agitated me. Said, oh, if you want to tell me something, then tell me. He asked me again to promise not to laugh. I said, I promise. He said, I got I got picked up by UFO. Of course, I burst out laughing. He got really upset. So I apologised and told him to go ahead with his story. I, I could tell he was serious. Ryder convinced Hickson and Parker to drive to the sheriff's office. He called Jackson Sheriff. 
County Sheriff Fred Diamond now proceeds to join him in for the questioning. Ryder remembered when they got in, Charlie said, I think you want to tell you, I just want to tell you up front, how to drink. I had to do something to try and settle my nerves. The young boy was real fidgety. He was about to call walls. Hickson and Parker told the officers what had happened. Ryder said it was a struggle to keep a straight face. Then he and Diamond plotted to, to find out the truth. We kept a tape recorded on the bottom drawer of the desk. Ryder says it was a small office. So he would pick it up and something said in there. He got them to go into the bathroom and decided to turn the recorder on, then leave them alone for a while. We did that, and when we listened in tape later, we expected them to hear something, boy, we just fooled them or something like that, but he didn't. Here is the transcript from the hidden recorder. Parker, I've got to get home, I've got to get to bed, I've got to get some nerve pills to see the, uh, see the doctor or something, I can't stand it. I'm, I, I'm about to go half crazy. Hickson, I tell you, when we're through, I'll get you something to settle you down. You can get some damn sleep. Parker, I can't sleep like yet, like, yet, like this. I'm just damn near crazy. Hickson, Carvin, when you brought, when they brought you out, when they brought me out, that thing, expletive, I like to never, in hell, get, got you straightened out. Parker, my damn arms, my arms, I remember that just froze up and I couldn't move. Just like I stepped into a damn, 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 damn wrestlesnake. Hickson, they didn't do that. They didn't, they didn't do me, me that way. Parker, I passed out, I expect I never passed out in my whole life. Hickson, i never seen anything like that before in my life. You can't make people believe. Parker. I don't want to be keep sitting here. I want to see a doctor. Hickson, I better wake up and start believing. Parker, you, you seen how that damn door came right up? Hickson, I don't know how it opened. I don't know. Parker, I just laid up and just let, like that. Some came out. Hickson, I know you can't can't believe it. You just can't make people believe it. I'm Parker, I'm paralysed then. I can't, couldn't move. Hexen, they, they won't believe it. They're going to believe it one of those days. Maybe too late. I know, know all along the, the, these people from my world up there. And you're along. I never thought it would ha- happen to me. Parker, would you help? Who, you know yourself? You know yourself I didn't drink. Hexen, I know that, son. When I got to the house, I've got to get another drink, make me sleep. Look, we're just sitting around for... Well, I've got to go to tell that bench what we're waiting for. Parker, I've got to go to the house. I've got to, I'm getting sick. Just got to get out of here. Hexen leaves the room. But Parker's left alone. Parker, it's hard to believe. Oh, God, it's awful. I know where... There's a guy up there. Parker begins to, begins to pray. Words become inaudible. When we got home, Hickson told his wife that what happened and where he'd been. Uh, I like, I'm like everyone else. I had a hard time believing it, Blanche, Hickson says. But three or four hours later, I knew something was wrong. I, I was up all night, sweating, wiping sweat off him. He jumped straight into, up into bed. He was scared to death. Hickson went up. 
work the next morning. I had to get get my men going, he says. But as soon as I got to my office, the phone rang. The reporter for Jackson asking what happened the night before. I just slung the phone down. Hickson went up to work the next morning. I had to get, get my men going. Sorry. Diamond called minutes later. She, he had, he said work had leaked out that his office was flooded with vultures. He asked me Diamond called minutes later. He was sent. He said word would leaked out in his office and flooded reporters. He asked to come and talk to them, and I told him I wasn't going to down going nowhere. Down where? Hickson says. Hickson took off work for two weeks, hoping things would die down. They didn't. Officers at Kilsill interviewed him and Parker, reporters and astrologers were coming to Hickson's house begging for details. got to the point where I was like, I know that about it, I might as well tell them what happened. I told Calvin that, he says. Hickson and Parker were all over the national news and made the tax show circus, the David Calvert show, the Mike Douglas show, the Tonight show. Something surprised Hickson. Nobody was laughing at us, at least not to our face. I never took any ridicule. My children at school... Never took any ridicule. It surprised me. Hickson became friends with Alan Hainick, H-Y-N-E-K, an astronomer at a national, national Wilford West University, one of the world's leading UFO investigators at the time. Hickson, Hickson is now deceased. He, he convinced me to undergo hypnosis. Hickson says, I wasn't sure what, what about it first, but did it several times. So I was basically the same during each session. But under the hypnosis, once I discover something, it still gives me chills. Hickson say there are people on a space yacht living creatures in the same compartment. They never came in when we were. I'm telling you, they looked around at us. Only thing I can figure out that they couldn't live on our atmosphere, that's why they let robots come out. Yeah. Anything I could figure out, I couldn't leave our atmosphere, so they let robots come in and carry us inside. I'm oh, sorry, I'll repeat that. Under a deep hypnosis, I discovered something that still gives me chills. Hickson says there are people on that space bit, living beings in another compartment. They never came in where we were. I'm telling you, they looked almost like us. Another thing I can, only thing I can figure out is they couldn't live in our atmosphere, so let the robots come out and carry us inside. The Pancolia incident was not the first, nor not the least, not the last report of the adaptation. First up, McCoy's case revolved Bernie and Benny Hill. In Boston, a few months after this encounter, her husband had died. She wanted to try and find out what it could have been in the same craft, he says. 
What she described me, I told her, I don't think so. Peter Devil, director of the National UFO Reporting Centre in Seattle, has studied both cases extensively. It was a Patagonia case that played a critical role in convincing my predecessor, Robert J. Gribble, to set up the centre, says Devonport, a graduate at Stanford University with degrees in Russian biology. He said cases like Mr. Hickson's and Mr. Parker's were making him made him realise the need for a centralised place where people could call and put things they had seen. Davenport reports many people believe UFOs are about as real as the Tooth Fairy. He's not one of them. When he was at six, Davenport witnessed a bright red light object the size of full moon hovering like a traffic signal in the night sky above a drive in, in the theatre at St. Louis, people were getting out of their cars, printing in their cars and pointing, actually running towards it, he says. And that, that seconds accelerated and was gone over the horizon. My father said, seen it with binoculars from the airport tower where he worked. I always thought it was strange. He didn't care to talk about it. Devonport can cite in the inexplicable cases, including the Phoenix Lights of 1997, tens of thousands of people witnessed objects acting in utter bizarre fashion over Arizona, he says. The objects hovered a few at subsonic speed through the air and space at at least three major airports, he says, five years ago. Pre- pre- Prejudiced people from the U.S. government requested a meeting from, with him in Washington. They asked me not. To, they asked not to be identified. Bubba says they were thirty minutes, five, two minutes late in the, to the evening. But when they got there, they said, "As a curse to you, the first night to tell you our position on the UFOs. One, we know they're real. Two, they appear to be sophisticated crafts under intelligent control. And three, are worried about him. You thought the unconfirmed, everything I suspected at, at the time, and I don't think I'm crazy. I think I, I don't think I'm dumb. I believe the UFO phenomenon is real. So does John Podesta, President Clinton's former White House chief of staff. Podesta said he was leading a group to gain access to secret government records about UFOs, trying to pr- prove. Provide scientists with data that would assist it in determining the real nature of this phenomenon, he said. On Mother's Day, 1974, Hickson was riding back his family together in Jones County with his wife, youngest son, Chris Curtis, and his brother, daughter, Shannon, and a man she was married to at the time. It was almost midnight, Hickson said, and I kept noticing a light, a light behind us. I noticed Stella, who was sitting on the front seat beside me, to look at the window, see that the light isn't following us. She got out the window and just froze. Bianca saw it and started screaming. Seconds later, a saucer-shaped craft was hovering 100 feet, 50 feet above the right, to the right of their car. I saw it with my own eyes, said Sheila, hugging them. H-Y-N-U-M or Vicksburg V-I-C-K-S-B-U-R-G who was 18 at the time. Mama was so scared she was screaming. It was a terrifying thing, said Branch Hickson. 
says. It affected me badly. It tore me up. It stopped the car. And we stopped the car. Charles wanted to get out, but I told him I wouldn't let him. He will grab him and hold him. It hovered there for a minute. A minute. Well, what just disappeared? Charles Hickson, whose 1983 book, UFO Contact, will be reissued. And it wasn't the first sighting he'd been since that initial counter. While squirrel hunting in February 1974, he knelt down beside a tree to eat a sandwich. Through the bush, he saw a part of a craft visible. Suddenly, he heard a voice. It was like a radio signal, something inside my head. He says they said, they said, tell the people we we know you're armed. You have been you have endured and you have been chosen. There's no need for fear. You the world needs help. We will help before it's too late. You're not you're not prepared to understand. We will return again soon. I picked up my gun and got came straight home. The same voice and with the same message came to me a month later in his backyard. Since then he says all the fears left him. I want to go to the world, wherever it is they come from, he says. I don't think they're carrying me if they couldn't bring me back. And if they have decided to destroy this world, they might have a few people I'd like to think I'm one of those. Well, past midnight, and Hickson gets up from his chair, leaves the den, turns with a large brown envelope, pulls out several x-rays and shows them to the visiting reporter. See that little old thing behind my right eye he says pointed holding the beam image over the lamp I think they imparted something in there I've been to a VA hospital in New Orleans twice been to a cancer doctor at Tulane University no one can figure out, out what it is me I think maybe just said track keep track of me if it doesn't hurt doesn't affect my vision I'm just shown they just showed up when they were taking pictures of arteries and arteries in my neck. Me, I think it's something they they'll keep the track of me. Hurt, hurt. If it doesn't hurt, it doesn't affect my vision. Just showed up when they were talking pictures of the arteries in my neck. Strange, eh?